Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. The Danny Mac Show with BK. Podcast powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. As this one is hammered toward left, 2-2 pitch, deep toward that wall, and it's gone! The Braves get a two-strike hit, a big fly from Guillermo Heredia, and Atlanta has broken through. So here's Arenado, and a 3-2 pitch, Morton gets Arenado, he came back from a 3-0 count. That's five strikeouts for Morton. 3-2 is on the way, strike three called, O'Neal is rung up. He can't believe it. He's 0 for 3. Morton with a shutout through 7. High pop fly. Can anybody catch up? Dansby, long run near the line. He's there. He's got it. What a way to end it. And the Braves open up the weekend in shutout fashion, partner. 4 nothing. Ah, the great ship carry on Bally Sports South last night. That was uh, the calls from the Cardinals-Braves game last night. 4 nothing was the final game number two tonight. Carlos Martinez, Max Freed. The pitching matchup in game number two. You can see that on Bally Sports Midwest pregame at 5.30. Tanner Hendrickson, BK, I'm Danny Mack. And away we go for the next hour as we're talking uh, Cardinal Baseball and Major League Baseball. Mike Petriello of MLB.com, MLB Network will be our guest. And last night, a couple things happened in the game we're going to get into. But generally speaking, no offense and no win. And that's what you get. You know it's not a good night when Tanner's open that he has prepared it's for all us. It's exclusively guys. the visiting <laughs> broadcast. It's probably not great for the home nine. I just, Dan, this is becoming increasingly frustrating to watch. Last night, you allow four runs and you have no chance of winning that game at any point. It shouldn't be the case against a team like the Braves. I know Charlie Morton's a good pitcher. He is. He's, he's had a ton of postseason success. He's not a guy that should have a no-hitter through seven against you, though. Not when you're playing. The only guy that's missing out of this lineup right now is Harrison Bader. As much as we talk about the injuries and how much of an impact they've had on this team, they are not having an Im- a significant impact on the lineup right now. And yet, that's the problem that they're having of late. It's concerning. Totally agree. And uh, let's go to this first. Well, we'll start with the offense. And the way I look at it is that Tommy Edmond is, well, first of all, the entire offense is in a rut right now. So Tommy Edmond is dropped off, and he's your leadoff man. He's your table setter. He's not getting on. Dylan Carlson, you're going to have ups and downs in a rookie season. But for the most part, he's kind of stayed the course. He's been fine. Where I have an issue right now with the offense, and I, I hate putting so much on two guys, but they're your highest paid players. They're making combined, I think, $61 million, and that's Nolan Arnato and Paul Goldschmidt. And when those two guys aren't being Nolan and Paul, then you have real problems if the others aren't hitting. And right now, the others are not hitting. Now, Tyler O'Neill, his on-base streak, came to a close last night. Yachty's going to be Yachty, but you have to have the big two, one or the other, if not both, clicking. And if they're not, and Arenado's in a rut right now, he's hitless in his, like his last 17. His last hit was a home run in game two of the series against Wrigley, so it's almost been a week without a hit. When you have that, and and Goldie, let's give him credit here, had a good series against the Marlins, but and he was the one that broke up the no-hitter last night with one out in the seventh. But when those two guys don't hit and they're not the players that you uh, think they're going to be, you're in trouble. And that's what the Cardinals have right now. I just looked this up. In the month of June, Dan, the Cardinals have the second least productive offense in the bigs. 
second least productive offense in all of baseball. The only one, actually, you know what? They're tied with the Diamondbacks for the worst. Um, this is this is a problem. They're batting 217 this month. We're now 18 days into the month of June. They have a 285 on base percentage this month. Their slugging percentage is at 325, which, if I'm not mistaken, is the worst in all of baseball this month. It's been awful. They're striking out too much. They're not walking at a very high rate. There is nothing positive to say about this offense other than the disclaimer of Goldie's been a little better this month. He struggled to start out the season, credit where it is due. He's been probably their best hitter so far in the month of June, but nobody else is there with him. And last night, I I know we're going to get to this, Dan. Mike Schiltz was asked about what he can do to shake things up, if there's anything that he can do with the lineup or anything like that. I think they're running out of options right now, but here's what Mike Schilt had to say about his options of potentially shaking things up. Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, we've we've got a a lengthy lineup and we face some tough pitching. Gave a guy a blow yesterday and Tommy's had a couple days off and some other guys have had some opportunities and, you know, we've won three out of our last four. I guess some tough pitching, so I'd rather not alibi the fact we haven't been as consistent, but, you know, I don't know what more to, to really tell you. I've had, look, if I had a real clear answer to it with the 30-something years of baseball I've been in, I'd be doing it, and our staff and our players. I can just tell you the preparation, the approaches there. You know, we'd love to have more results. I'm sure everyone that's following our club would like that, but I don't know what else you can expect me to do. He's right, and they've won three of four. And to me, the reason you won those games was because you got great starting pitching. So it kept you in games. It kept the opponent off the scoreboard. You were able to scratch across a run. And that was the difference uh, in the three games against Miami. So, And and they did face very good pitching in Rodgers and Alcantara. He's right there. Um, But when you look at the big picture of, like, what's happening in the month, and during this month, the offense has not been to where we saw it at times in the first month of the season, April, parts of May. And now here in June, it hasn't been where it needs to be to be successful. Um, I thought Gant last night was OK. Yeah. Not great, but gave you a chance to win. And if a pop up is caught behind home plate, Yachty couldn't see it in the twilight. Goldie came racing in um, and I. Look, I'm doing the games off of screens. I didn't quite see where he was. I know he was coming in, didn't get there. John Gant, I think, saw it but couldn't get there in time. If that's caught, which 99 out of 100 it is, it's a different inning. It's a big play right there. You know, what happens when you give a major league player a second chance? They usually make you pay. I saw that. Was it Arenado a few weeks ago where he ended up getting a second chance where a play should have been made and then he hits the home run? Right. I think it was BT that was on the broadcast with you and said, you shouldn't have given that guy another opportunity. Boom, he makes him pay for it. And that's exactly what the Braves did last night. Well, too. look at what happened with Goldschmidt last night. So Acuna had a chance to make a play on a foul ball down the right field line. Would have been a very good play near the screen. And uh, if he makes that play, Charlie Morton may have gotten a no-hitter. Because then you say, you got to have some of those plays. Cardinals mm-hmm. had a couple lineouts, too. And you say, man, if I get that play, the stars are aligning. But he didn't. Um, so if you make that play, it's a one nothing game, potentially, BK. And then it changes what you do maybe after that. Because, you know, you, you, you maybe scratch a run. You, you keep it a one-run game. Maybe you use somebody, somebody other than Wade LeBlanc, who was, you know, signed by the Cardinals and no damage done against him. Maybe you don't go to Junior Fernandez. Maybe you don't go to Daniel Ponce de Leon. It's somebody else and it stays a tight game and you win it. Those things happen. But to the big picture of where the offense is right now, it's got to be better and it's not. What do you do? Because this is what I'm struggling with. Like, you're right. It, it needs to be better 
Goldie's part of that, although uh, this month he's been all right. Uh, Tyler O'Neill has been good this month. You need to I'll see. I'll give you a, a, a one. Well, I, I, here's one thing I would do immediately. I, I would say I'd take a hard look at Dylan Carlson batting leadoff. He's been an on-base guy. He draws some walks. Um, why not give him a run at the uh, the leadoff position and drop Tommy Edmond a little bit? Maybe move up Goldie and Arenado just to shake it up. Sometimes a shakeup in a lineup just just because it's a, the monotony of a season. I've seen it done many times before where guys just kind of manager throws out a crazy lineup. Like sometimes you see the Sunday lineup where or maybe you've won the first three games of a series and you throw this lineup of all your bench guys out there. That's fine. Sometimes you do that just to shake it up. Maybe with a right-hander on the mound, if you're feeling that Carpenter's swinging the bat well, let him go to the top spot in the lineup. Just That's one shake, I would consider. Just to shake it up. But I, the Edmund at the top, or uh, Carlson at the top, I would look at that. I, I think you can make a case for it. I think you can make a case for Carpenter at the top. because, And I know some people would say, well, it takes three base hits to bring him in after a single. You're right. But right now, the Cardinals, generally speaking, score with home runs when they're right. And that means Goldie Arenado, so they can bring him in that way. You know, that's just some things off the top of my head I, w- I would look at. Maybe when Tyler O'Neill's doing what he's doing, bat him second. I was about to say, would you consider going Carlson, Goldie, O'Neill, Arenado? Yeah, sure. Because Arenado, he said at the beginning of the year, he likes hitting cleanup. And if that's where he's most comfortable, whatever, let, keep him going there. Um, I would consider trying to get Tyler O'Neill into that top three somewhere, whether it's second, yeah. third. We've heard TLR. He used to say he wants danger in the two hole. Tyler O'Neill certainly fits that category. Maybe that's something they could try too. Yeah. You get a little speed then in the middle or the bottom of the lineup with uh, Tommy Edmond. I- I'd look at that. I don't know. Sometimes it'd be kind of fun to throw them all in a hat and say, boys, go get them. I'm serious. That's I mean, what the Cubs did. Remember Rizzo was bad yeah. leadoff there for a while. I was like, why not? He's yeah. our best hitter. Let's give it a shot. Billy Martin did it years ago. Um, you know, just something to shake it up. You he, know what? Tyler O'Neill would be an interesting leadoff hitter for this team. He would be. He's got great speed. We know that. He's got speed. He's got power. It's not your prototypical guy, but he's got a lot of the attributes you look for. Doesn't walk. No. So yeah, it may hit you a few bombs. His on base percentage this month, though, is 370. That's so right. that works. So you know what I'm saying, though. Sometimes you just shake it up to to shake it up, and, and it works. So, yeah, I would look at those kind of things, especially if you come out of this weekend and you're seeing the same results. Now, they get Max Freed tonight. Freed is under 500, but can be very tough. It's a lefty the Cardinals will face. I loved what I saw to Martinez in his last time out at Wrigley Field. It was too unearned, so we'll see what the Cardinals have there. Why did the Cardinals struggle against Charlie Morton? Charlie Morton was hitting 95-96. His breaking ball was filthy last night. So here's one of the things I I picked up. I go back and watch video prior to the games I broadcast. So I'll go back and look at his last start, maybe this start before that, check out some of the video just to get an idea of what he's throwing. Last night, I essentially, I said this on the game. I said, man, to BT, I said, this looks like a two-pitch pitcher to me. He's not doing other things that I saw in previous starts and the Cardinals did not make that adjustment and uh, Mike Schilt what did you see out of Charlie Morton? Shoot man the guy was good you know mid 90s with some life to it slider effective coming out of the same slot later um, off of off a good live fastball so you know you tip your hat he threw the ball very well not a lot of balls in the middle from what I saw during the game and pitched extremely well and uh, guys Crashed and called, you know, but couldn't uh, couldn't muster anything of any consistency. When he was drafted by the Braves, saw him come up in the big leagues early. He was hitting about 90, 91, 92. He's hit 96 in the seventh inning last night. He's 37. 
Hmm. And then he's throwing a breaking ball that is going back foot on lefties and breaks two feet. He's pretty good. He's a good pitcher. And he's a guy that like, it's less concerning to me that they struggled against him than it has been some of the other guys that they've gone up against. That being said, you mentioned he's basically a two pitch guy. This has been one of the consistent themes that I've had a tough time with for the Cardinals offense over the last few years. It goes all the way back to the 2019 playoffs when they're going up against the Nationals. It wasn't like those guys were going five, six different pitch sequences. Basically one, two things that they had to adjust against and the Cardinals couldn't make those adjustments. And that's something that has consistently permeated throughout the lineup even since then. This is going back now two and a half years, basically. That's something that's worth monitoring moving forward as well. Here's the thing I would monitor more than anything is if I see regression with Goldschmidt and specifically Arenado, then I've got concerns. Yep. And I, I got to start asking, why is that happening? Because it shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't. You know, those two guys have been consistent for many, many years in the big leagues. So the other thing, Dan, that's something to watch. This team needs more out of Paul DeYoung. They just Absolutely. Do. He's batting 091 this month since his return from the injured list. He has a 394 OPS. He's not good enough right now. They, they need more out of him. He coming into the season was counted on to be a guy that could be a 25 plus home run player, borderline gold glove defender at short. I haven't seen that same defense from him this year, although he's been better since coming back from the injured list. I think the offense, though, is just it's it's slacking too much from him. They all need right. more. So having said all that and we put you in a great mood at 10 o'clock. <laughs> Happy Friday. Um, happy happy Friday. Father's Day. Hopefully it's a you enjoy day. the weekend. Uh, it's Martinez and uh, Freed tonight, so looking forward to that. And looking forward to visiting with Mike Petriello of MLB.com and, and really getting into how baseball polices foreign substances coming up on the, the 24th. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. He's Dan McLaughlin. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's the Danny Mac show with BK here on 101 ESPN. We talked about the bad. Now we've got to get into the good, Dan, because there have been some encouraging signs from the Cardinals pitching over the last four or five games. And last night, I thought it continued. John Gant, although not a perfect start, I think that's more of what we can hope for moving forward. What we saw at the beginning yeah. of the season was a little bit of a mirage, but if you can consistently get five strong innings where he's giving up two, three earned runs and he gives you a chance to win, hands things over to your bullpen doing well. That's kind of what I think you should expect from him moving forward. Yeah. And the bullpen for the most part last night was okay. Now, junior Fernandez had a scoreless inning. It wasn't pretty how he got there, but it was a zero at the end of the day. He puts up a zero. So that was fine. Hit one one on the gun last night. Uh, we know he's got a big arm. It's just a matter of whether or not he can throw strikes. Wade LeBlanc, so the Cardinals bring him in. He's been, I think, with eight or nine different organizations, 13 years in the big leagues. The thing that you get with him, and he's not going to wow you, but here's what I like. He throws strikes. You need somebody out there that's going to come in and pump strikes. And as long as I see that, fine. you got a place in the Cardinal bullpen because they haven't thrown strikes this year, generally speaking. Um, John Gant, so let's go back to him and your original point. Yeah, I, I thought he was better. You know, his last two starts, it was an ERA of 12 combined, so obviously better and gave you a chance to win. And again, I'll say this, if the pop-up is caught behind home plate, his line is different and maybe the game is different and our conversation this morning is different. So he gave you a chance. Um, I did find it interesting. It was a pretty quick hook for him because they, they knew maybe he was starting to teeter. 
play with fire, and they weren't going to go down that road. So they went to their bullpen, understood why they did it. Guys are fairly rested, and Daniel Daniel Ponce de Leon came in with five days of rest. So that's a good problem to have when you're not seeing some of those guys throw as much because they've been throwing so much. So the starters are giving them some innings, and that was the first time in the last five through the rotation that they haven't gotten a quality start. If they get a quality start, generally speaking, this team has a chance to win. And you expect more of that moving forward. You got Carlos on the mound tonight. You got Wayno going out there tomorrow. And that's a good sign for the Cardinals. It does, I think, take a little bit of the urgency off of John Mosellock because I've been one of the leaders of the charge saying this team has to go out there and make a move. They, there's no way they can get through this stretch with you the starting pitching time. that they have. They've bought them time. And I think that's a huge thing. You look at what the next few uh, series are that are coming up, too. You got Detroit next week, you got Pittsburgh, you got Arizona, and then you finish this stretch off with Colorado. Those are teams that they can take advantage of both offensively and defensively. Going back to the offensive side of things, there's no excuses in this stretch. I know you're going up against a couple of solid pitchers against Atlanta, but once you get to Detroit, Pittsburgh, Arizona, Colorado, that is no longer an excuse for you. You're not going up against superstars in any of those series. Agreed. And I I think the most exciting thing that I take away from the Cardinals this week was Uh, First of all, Goldschmidt had a good series against Miami. So maybe it's a stretch. I get it. But he had some good moments. But the most exciting thing that I saw in this stretch of baseball was Oviedo. And if Oviedo can be that kind of pitcher uh, every fifth day, you've really got something. I mean, he clearly has made an adjustment and he's growing up right before your eyes. And we forget he's only 23. Pitched a lot last year. He's getting a shot this year because of all the injuries. And the thing that I loved about it, BK, was you saw that velocity was down, not because it's a byproduct of injury. It's because he, in my opinion, he is a guy that is saying, look, my stuff plays in the zone, even a tick or two down because I have good movement, late movement, and I need to be around the strike zone. I need to hit my spots. And he did that the other day. Now, granted, it wasn't a great Miami Marlins lineup. I understand that. And Marte was out. Aguilar was out. And he was able to carve him up for the better part of that ballgame. But let's go into the game. There were three innings in which he was dealing with runners on, which is kind of when he falls apart. He starts to overcook it. He's spiking balls. He didn't do that. He did it initially. And then in game, he went 2-0. So the first guy that he got on at first base, next guy comes up. He went 2-0, overthrowing. He spiked a couple of balls and realized he had to make an adjustment. And he did. So that is a credit to him. And if you get that guy, that is a massive piece to a struggling uh, club with injuries that you can count on every fifth day. I'm not saying it's going to happen every fifth day, but I'm saying that that's something you can build on. It's interesting because I've been so focused on the pitching market and Dan, as the more I look at it, the more it's very clear. There's like one guy. It's basically Kyle Gibson and then a whole bunch of crap out there right now. Like the, the guys that are available, they're basically what the Cardinals have in terms of what they would bring to the table. Do you think it's possible that this team, the bigger upgrade for them, if they're not in the Kyle Gibson sweepstakes, and I don't know if they are or not, but if they're not in that, could the bigger upgrade be a potential bat that they go out and acquire? It, it could be. I, You know, when you get to the trade deadline, you think about like a month ago, how this team was rolling in different yeah. areas and how things have changed in a month and things will change in a month from now because you will get Flaherty back. That's huge. A big, and I mean, it's a massive if for them. And I, me personally, I wouldn't count on it. And this is no, not from background information. This is just how I read the tea leaves. I don't know if you can count on Miles Michaelis. 
But if I knew I was going to get them in August and have the Miles Michaelis that I've seen before, then my answer to you would be yes. Go out and find a bat. You know, go out and find some. I, I do think they have to, one way or another, address their bench for sure. Um, but when when people say generally talking, saying, "Hey, you got to go out and make that move," right now the Cardinals have a lot of warts. It's not just one move that's yep. going to change things. So, um, and the the track record that with Mo has been, if you're going to make a move, it's not only for the now, but it's for the future. So you're talking about guys that are under control next year and beyond. And those are the kind of guys that I would look at that they target. Because if, if you look at your team and you feel that you are that one missing piece away, then yeah, you pull the trigger and you go because you're loaded. I mean, you're really good. And this guy helps you. You go Giants, get Larry, Padres, Dodgers, you those go get, teams. You yeah. go get Larry Walker, put it in Cardinals terms. Like they, that team was sick. And they added Larry Walker. They yeah. didn't have to add Larry Walker, and they got him. You know, that's when you go out and make that piece because you know you're a World Series contender and you've just gotten another huge piece. This team isn't there yet. And I'm not saying you can't get there. Who knows? I mean, if they get healthy and, and you know, get on a run and get confidence and start to build, things happen in baseball. It's But right now, there's a lot of different things that you look at. Your bench, you got to find bullpen help potentially. Your starting rotation is hurt. So there's a lot of things that they need to address. There is. I think that the the injuries, when those guys come back healthy, that could potentially help your bullpen. And I think that if you made a trade for a starter, that also potentially there's a there's a cascading effect sure. there that it helps your bullpen. John guys goes to your bullpen, down. maybe. Right. And so now some of the guys that you're not comfortable with right now, they get sent back down to AAA. You've got guys that you like a lot more going into those slots. The the bench thing is what I find most interesting right now because we've talked so much about the pitching side of things. Where does that guy go? Because if Edmundo Sosa is healthy and you've got Tommy Edmond now back into your lineup, you're running into a roster crunch where it's like, yes, I would love to upgrade a certain spot on my bench or maybe even a guy that can just come in and play a utility spot, whether that be second, third, moving them all around the wherever it may be. You like what Edmundo Sosa's been. I, I don't know where he gets those opportunities. So I would hope if they're going out there and making that move, they've immediately got a spot where they can get that guy into the game consistently. And that's that's where it gets tough right now because they need an upgrade. I just don't know where that upgrade goes. Maybe an outfielder, you know, a, a, a right-handed hitting outfielder potentially. I mean, you, you, you've got Justin Williams did fine as a pinch hitter, and I, I don't think that you'd want to see him as an everyday player uh, with all guys being Agreed. healthy. Carpenter, I'm fine with him coming off the bench as a left-handed bench player. Um, but an outfielder, potentially, right-handed, that gives you a little thump. If that guy is out there, maybe that's something you look at. Um, but again, you know, we're talking about as they – I think if you're the Cardinals, and we've been talking about it, and if we're talking about it, certainly they are too. Mm-hmm. And you just went through the schedule. And I've said that this stretch of games, to me, is right now – the most important stretch of games the Cardinals are going to play in because of the opponents that they're playing. They've been very good against sub-500 teams. So you got to get through that stretch of baseball, then you wrap it up with San Francisco and Chicago on the road. Not easy at all. If you can keep your head above water, be above 500 by that time, then get into the all-star break, catch your breath, then you find out what you have in Jack Flaherty. Kind of changes your viewpoint. At that point, you get Bader back too. So that, I mean, think about getting Bader back. Then Carlson goes to right, yep. Tommy Edmonds at second base, Matt Carpenter's on your bench. Kind of changes the look of your team. Get healthy and then see where you're at. 
See, I, I'm with you. I understand where you're coming from there. I almost, and I'm, I'm the guy that would typically go this route. I'm, I would be more aggressive, right? And so I'd I get, get out in front of it. I almost want to see that addition now. So that way you've got it during this stretch of games that you just said is so important. I got to wonder though, here's what sure. I'm saying. I got to wonder though, if, if most teams, I think you have a few teams that you can say, uh, undoubtedly are, are not going to be there. The standings are not helping the Cardinals right now. Arizona, Pittsburgh, you know, some of those teams you can say, yeah, there's there's teams there, maybe Miami here shortly, you know, where they just say the white flag is in and we're open for business. I'm just not sure yet in the middle of June we're at that point yet. So when you get in the next six weeks is when you start to see this thing, teams say, sure. yeah, we're done. I also, I'm, I am curious about the pending CBA and how that affects things. You know, will people be as aggressive as they once were or not and coming off a pandemic how much do teams want to add payroll if they have the chance or do teams just say look we're going forward it's like a normal year and we're going to add when we can I I don't know I think injuries play a part in this there's so many players around the league that are injured right now both in the big leagues and in the minors I think that's an important part that we're not talking about whether it be a guy that another team might be interested in the Cardinal system or other systems that are struggling right now just to make do with players, finding innings, all of those sorts of things that are playing into this factor as well. In the Cardinals, frankly, they're looking for innings out of their minor leaguers, and one of their strengths in their system is the pitching. So if they're going to deal something, it might be that, and now you got to cover those innings with somebody else. It becomes very difficult. So that's working against them, and then the standings, as you mentioned, there's just not a lot of teams right now that are completely out of it. Right. And one of them that is, is the Pirates. And they've got a couple players that I think could be interesting for the Cardinals. Adam Frazier might be an interesting utility guy for this team. Are the Pirates going to trade in division? I don't know. I think they maybe if there's a similar deal for them elsewhere, they might go that route. Um, the Rockies, they're a team that probably is out of it already. Are they going to deal with the Cardinals? I would imagine probably not after what happened in the offseason. So they're they're kind of getting hit from multiple different avenues right now. I'm fascinated what the uh, Nationals do with Scherzer, you know, whether he goes to St. Louis or not, because... And now he's got the injury that he's dealing with, That's too. right. And uh, he had 12 pitches, had to be taken out. I think it was an abdominal issue that he had, which can be lingering for a lot of players. But Mike Rizzo has been a guy that he is not going to wave the white flag until it's yeah. the final nail is in the coffin. Uh, and th- that's just how he works. That's been his M.O. But can he get an agreement with Max saying... You know, we'll trade you to a contender, but we want you to come back here. Maybe I, you know, it's it's interesting how this whole thing's going to play out. So, we're going to get into it. With Mike Petriello coming up. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. That's Danny Mac. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's the Danny Mac Show on 101 ESPN. One of my favorite guys in the baseball me- media community is Mike Petriello. He covers MLB for MLB.com. You can find him on Twitter at his name, Mike underscore Petriello. Mike, we always appreciate the time, man. How you doing today? I'm doing great, Brandon. Thanks for the kind words. Absolutely. So um, the Cardinals could really use some outside sources to help their pitching. And I read your piece the other day on all of the different options that are out there. So I'm sure you can give our Cardinals fans here in St. Louis some solace in the fact that there's a million different options for them to choose from on the trade market, right? (laughs) Well, uh, I'm not so sure about that. I could probably spend... 20 minutes telling you about all the starting pitchers you can't get or don't want and about 30 seconds telling you about the potentially available and interesting guys because it might just be Kyle Gibson who's generally not been very good but has been good for two months and that might be it like everybody's hurt 
or bad. And obviously the Cardinals are not the only team that needs a starting pitcher. So if, if you need to improve your team, it's got to be either with bats or relief pitchers or Kyle Gibson, which is like the grimmest thing I think I've said all year. So Mike, do you think all the injuries are due in part uh, because of what we saw last year in only 60 games? Uh, yes and no. I mean, starting pitching injuries have kind of been going up regularly for years, you know, and I don't think the injuries this year to pitchers are surprising to me. I think the injuries to position players are, you know, we've seen so many hamstrings and quad injuries and soft tissues and whatnot. Uh, the, the way the pitching usage has kind of gone back to what it looked like in 2019, which was a little surprising to me. So I can't answer why the position players keep getting hurt, but I think starting pitchers and pitchers just in general, it's, it's not a healthy activity for a human body generally. So when you say that there's not a whole lot of pitchers out there and it's basically just Kyle Gibson, does that mean that it's going to take a King's ransom to trade for Kyle Gibson? Because not only has he been really good this season and the cutter has been a a huge new pitch for him, but he's also got another year of control under him. So you would imagine that that would add to the value that the Rangers could get as well. Is it it going to take a ton to be able to trade for him? Yeah, I think it's kind of a weird spot because you're totally right. I mean, if you've got the only decent starting pitcher available, then you're certainly not going to let him go for nothing, especially when he's under contract for next year. But it's so hard if you're a team looking to acquire him. Do you trust him at all? Like he, for years, was a mid-rotation guy or worse. Like even this year, he couldn't get out of the first inning on opening day. So we're really talking about a 12-start stretch. I and mean, he's been very good, and there's been meaningful changes, like you said, changes to the, the cutter and his other pitches. So I'm buying into him being better. I'm not buying into him being an ace or anything. You know, like I think he's a guy who helps you. He's not a guy who starts game one of a playoff series for you, most likely. So do you want to give up one of your top prospects for that? You don't. But then if your options are don't get a starting pitcher at all, I, you know, I guess the, I guess the Rangers are in a good spot for this. So, uh, Mike, uh, the 21st is Monday, and that's when baseball starts enforcing the substances, the foreign substances, whether it be on a glove or wherever the case may be. But it goes on a baseball uh, what are your expectations? What do you think we're going to see starting on Monday in Major League Baseball? I think we've already started to see it. I think you've already started to see that some pitchers who may have been using some stuff before have decided, I'm not waiting until Monday. You know, people wonder, like, why now? What's different? People have been trying to add extra spin on the ball for 150 years, and that's why this football was banned 100 years ago, and it's true. But it's only been over the last, you know, four or five years that they've actually had like lab chemists cooking up stuff. It's not spit anymore, right? So I I don't exactly agree with the, you know, the rollout and the logistics and the schedule, all of it, but I do agree something had to be done. And you can even see just in the last couple of days, like some of the higher spin rates have dropped. And it's it's a lot harder to suss out than just looking at a guy's, you know, like overall spin rate page because people don't really have context for these numbers. Uh, if a guy is down 25 RPM, that's nothing. If he's down 75 RPM, that's nothing. Like I don't really pay attention until you're down like 200 RPM. It's relatively few guys so far. So I think you've already started to see it. I think you'll see it a little bit more. And if that means just like a little less movement and a little few, some fewer amount of strikeouts, uh, pitchers won't like that. But I, I think that's good for the game. Do you think that's also going to impact the trade deadline? Because if I'm a general manager and I'm trying to trade for one of these pitchers that's out there, I, I feel like I would like to know up front, hey, am I getting the guy that was pre-foreign substances crackdown or the guy that's post-foreign substances crackdown? 
Well, that's a good question because what we don't know yet is whether this is going to be the sort of thing where it's like a rising tide lifts all boats, right? And everybody is affected equally. Uh, or if there's going to be some guys who are deeply affected, like even Trevor Bauer, who everybody on the planet thinks is like the face of this whole thing. Even over the last 10 days, like his spin has been down, but it's still like elite level forcing fastball spin. You know, he's not going to suddenly go to looking like he's some AAA pitcher because of this, right? I would imagine there are some guys um, who you could look at and say, because of this, because of the movement they've added, they might not be in the major leagues otherwise. So I think you're going to run into some like ticking time bombs like that. But as far as like the big names go, I, I don't think this is the sort of thing that makes their career or not. You know, it maybe makes them better in some ways, maybe a little more effective. Um, but if they're not the only ones affected, then it's kind of hard to know like to what magnitude we're talking about. You know, Mike, it's crazy. I've heard a lot of pitchers talk a bit uh, about this, but not a lot of hitters. Hmm. You know, they're they're kind of mum on the subject. Well, I mean, some of them have been pretty happy about it. Josh Allison certainly didn't mind talking about it. Um, I mean, it is weird, right? Because now you've got guys on the same roster, on the same team, who are maybe pushing in different directions, where you've got the guys in the lineup who are stoked, and then their teammates on the mound who are maybe a little upset about it. You know, that's that's going to be an interesting thing to see how this plays out if you've got like half the team happy uh, and half the team not. But, you know, if you really want to get back to, are there too many strikeouts in baseball? Uh, this is not the reason at all in my mind, but it's a reason. And if we can fix that, then I think it's worth giving it a shot. Mike Petriello is joining us here on 101 ESPN. Mike, one of the reasons why I love having you on is because you have a national perspective on our local team and you're as informed as anybody out there. What have you made of the 2021 St. Louis Cardinals? The run differential certainly would not paint a great picture. The offense in the last month or so hasn't been great. But from your vantage point, what do you make of this team? In some way, they kind of are who I thought they'd be. Like, I, I picked them to finish third in the division, which I, I don't think was super popular at the time because, you know, they won the winter and Arenado's been very good and all that. But I, I didn't view last year's team as necessarily being one Arenado short. You know, I was a little worried about uh, the youngsters in the outfield, and they have played pretty well. Like, Bader, when he was there, was good. O'Neill's been great. Carlson's been fine. But I, I didn't think this was going to be, you know, a clear division winner. And so far, that's kind of what's happened. Like, the shape of it's been a little different. You know, the outfield's been better than I thought it would be. I certainly didn't expect the bullpen to have, like, the highest relief pitching walk rate in 50 years. <laughs> I don't think anyone thought about that. But when I look at them, I see um, and maybe a lineup that is full of great names. That is, you know, the sum is maybe less than the individual names there. And uh, without Flaherty, I mean, that's, that is their big ace. Like, it's great that Wainwright is still producing. It's great that Gantt somehow keeps surviving despite his, like, wild walk rate. Um, but this is a team that's about a 500 team, and I think that's kind of what I expected. Would you anticipate that they stay around 500? So, you know, deadline, because not any team is really running away with it, that maybe they are aggressive at the trade deadline or trying to do something to add a piece or two with their deficiencies that they currently have? Well, what they have in their favor, and I'm, I'm sure you guys have noticed this as well, is that for the next couple of weeks, a week or two, the schedule is pretty favorable. You know, They get to play Detroit and Pittsburgh and Colorado uh, after Atlanta here, and Atlanta has kind of fallen apart as well. And Arizona so, at home who can't win on the road. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, I, I don't want to, like, I hate to put too much emphasis on, like, 10% of the season or whatever, but their season will be defined in the next week or two. If you can't go through this stretch and do really well, and be at the end of the month, like two games out of first place, then I'm not sure it's a team worth upgrading. And their path to the playoff really is the division. It's hard for me to see them getting a wild card spot over any of the three teams in the West, whoever doesn't win the division and the other two. Can they overcome the Cubs and the Brewers? Uh, sure. Those 
teams have some pretty incredible weaknesses as well. And even though the Cardinals are in fourth place, they're only four games out, right? But that, that is the path. And if you're still in fourth place after this very easy stretch, I, I think that might define a lot of it. And if you're not, if you're doing better, then you can go out and get some relievers. I would love to see them get a right fielder because uh, the right they have gotten almost nothing at a right field. The second weakest right field performance in baseball. And I get it. Bader comes back. You can move Carlson there. Maybe that helps. But even so, just some kind of outfield addition, I think, would be, in addition to a pitcher, obviously, would be huge for them. Are there any names that come to mind as you're thinking about the outfield and what they could potentially add there? Who are the names that you've seen that maybe could become available? I would love to see them go get Mitch Hanniger. And I know he's not always healthy, but he's always productive when he plays, and he's been really good this year as well. It seems like they'd probably be better off with a, a right-handed bat than a lefty, so you could shoot a little lower. Maybe like Adam Duvall would be out there. I don't think they would try to go get Starling Marte. Like that seems like too big of a piece. Um, but yeah, you you can go get some outfielders. Like the Braves desperately need an outfielder, and the Yankees desperately need an outfielder. But otherwise, I think it's the opposite of the pitching market. I think there's some decent names, maybe not a ton of contenders who'd like bats and need them. What's going on with the National League West? So you, you got the Padres. Now, they'd had a, a massive win last night. Place was going bananas. But they've lost like something like 13 of their last 17. And I, I got to say, the Giants, they, they they must be for real. We know about the Dodgers. But what what is your take on seeing what's happened out in the uh, National League West? Well, it's certainly been fun to watch. I remember over the winter, I was looking at the Giants. And I, I did not expect this. So don't let me pretend that I did. But I saw a lot of underlying facts about this team and the improvements that they've made last year and how they've become one of these places where pitchers go to get better. I mean, look at what they've done to Kevin Gaussman out there. I think they're for real. I, I still don't think that they're going to make a uh, win the division. I still think the Dodgers will get there. But I think the uh, the wild card will probably go through San Francisco, which is really fun to think about. The, the Padres are in a weird spot because – you know, Tatis is crushing the ball, and he's, you know, obviously fantastic. And, you know, Tommy Pham has been really good, and Trent Christian has been really good. But you look at the trio, this veteran trio of Hosmer, Will Myers, and Manny Machado. They were great last year, and you sort of expected, like, okay, maybe they'll be good again this year. And it hasn't really worked. I mean, Hosmer has disappointed yet again. Like, it seems like this is every other year for him to the mm-hmm. point where I feel like you need a right-handed first baseman. I, I know he is paid a lot and you don't want to think of him as a platoon guy, but he can't hit lefties and he's barely hitting righties. They need like a Jesus Aguiar or somebody who can play first base from the right-handed side. And I actually think they might do that. I think AJ Preller is not uh, afraid of doing that because even though the giants are unexpectedly good, this is still an incredibly talented team. Like you look at their rotation, you Darvish and Joe Musgrove are, if not the best top two in baseball, pretty close Blake Snell's been a pretty big disappointment, obviously. The back end of the rotation's got some weaknesses, but they they did not put all this effort in to building this team to to sit still. Like, I guarantee you they will go out and get some help. Hey, Mike, final request that I have for you. Could you find figure out what's going on with Paul DeYoung for us? Because we don't understand it, and his average exit velocity is in the 1 percentile, and that doesn't make any sense to me. Can you find out for us what's going on with Paul DeYoung and report back to us? I, you know, I will look into that, and I, I don't have his stats in front of me, but I will take you at your word that if he's in the he's in the first percentile, um, I know he hasn't been healthy, and I can't imagine he is still healthy because he's not Giancarlo Stanton or anything, but he's a powerful bat, and if he is among the weakest hard hit guys in baseball, something's not right there. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Mike, thank you so much, and uh, great work as always. You can see Mike Petriello on MLB Network, and also read his great work on MLB.com. Really appreciate your time. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Take care. You got it. Uh, 
So he had uh, mentioned a couple of things that uh, I said in the first segment, which I completely agree with. This stretch of baseball is imperative for the Cardinals to come out of and play and play well, put up some wins. Because once you get through it, you catch your breath. Then you got Chicago, you got uh, uh, San Francisco, not easy. Both will be on the road, and then you're at the you know the All Star break, and you have a better idea about Flaherty, probably a better idea about uh, Miles Michaelis. You're going to get Bader back, um, but these are lesser teams. And if you're supposed to win and be a good team, you should be beating up on some of these teams. I found it really interesting how definitive he was about it, too. He said, hey, the next two weeks determine your season. And I think I think he's right. Well, you have to have an honest conversation with yourself at that point. You know, it's like looking in the mirror and saying, hey, just in there, man. You know, I mean, we, we but here the tough part about that is how honest can you be when you don't have the parts that would make your team, your team. That's the hard part about this. I think it, for me, it's the offense over the next two weeks. You're going to find out if the offense is legit or not, because you're going up against terrible pitching. All of these teams that you're going up against will be bottom 10 when it comes to pitching ERA as a whole. And if your offense can't get going in that stretch while you are basically healthy, I know you're missing Harrison Bader right now, and that is a loss, definitely, especially on the defensive side of things. But Harrison Bader shouldn't completely change the complexion of your lineup. So if your offense doesn't get things going in this two-week stretch, Dan, I think it tells me it just might not get going, at least not in the way that you need it to. And that is where I'd be willing to make some definitive statements after this two-week stretch. Pitching side of things, you have so many other disclaimers that it's going to be tough one way or the other. Um, I don't know. I kind of come out of here a little down, and it's a Friday. Was this Debbie Downer or what? I hey, don't want to be Debbie the Card- Downer. The Cardinals have won three out of their last That's four. That's what I'm saying. They swept the Marlins. They had two walk-off victories That'd against the Marlins. Kidding. We had a wonderful evening on Wednesday night down yeah. at Ballpark Village. It's Father's Day this weekend. Yeah. Dan's off on Saturday and Sunday. Yes. I mean, what more could you really ask for going into a Father's Day weekend? That's you know? right. We've got uh, national broadcast uh, Saturday and Sunday, so our next televised game uh, locally will be Monday after tonight. I got BT tonight. You know he's going to come with the energy. Great. So yeah, turn it around tonight, Carlos Martinez. All right, what do you have coming up on your show? Coming up today, got a good one for you, Dan. We've got Brian Jordan coming up at eleven thirty. We've got Mark Feinsand of MLB Network and MLB.com talking a little bit of trade deadline stuff with him at one o'clock. But we got to start things off with the offense. If this team decides to shake it up, what does that look like? We'll talk about that coming up here in just a little bit. Okay, guys, have a great weekend. Put a smile on the face. Life's going to be okay. It's going to be great. It's going to be okay. I just feel like it was a little downer today. I don't want to be down. Alex also has a Ferrari 05, and you know that always brings, that the, brings the, me uh, the energy up in here. Now that I have that, it's going to be a bright, bright Friday. It's the only way to look at it. All right, that's coming up next. I'll talk to everybody at 10 on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. 
And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.